Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. So I have a funny little thing to tell you, two little funny things. And for those of you that are listening and like us, um, (laughs) (laughs) you have to put those two things together. If you're listening and you like us, uh, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Is that what they're called now? Apple. It's not iTunes anymore. I have no idea. I don't do Apple. Yeah. I'm an Android person. No, I'm all I'm I'm Apple, but I think it's Apple Podcasts. Anyways, go and leave us a, a review because I got two messages in two days from people saying that they're listening and that they like us and one person said, oh my gosh, I'm so enjoying your podcast. It's so much fun. And I was really surprised, first of all, that this person was listening, but more surprised that they like us. But was it a pity like? Well, no, because I didn't bring it up. Hmm. It was totally out of the blue. But it was somebody you knew. Yeah. But hmm. we it was, we weren't talking about podcasts or anything. It, it was, It's a person that I technically work with okay and then the other person messaged me their hulu sign in name and password i was gonna ask you about that so i can go and watch the britney documentary i was gonna ask you about that i was gonna ask you if you watched it and if you said no because you don't have hulu i was going to solicit our our listeners to send you a sign in and well you don't even have to because a listener sent it to me how cool is that? That is amazing. So have you watched it yet? I ha- I just got it last night. Okay, so I haven't watched it yet either. So that's our homework. We'll okay. both watch it and then we'll talk about it. Well, we're going to be like so behind the curve, but that's okay. That That's like, that tracks with our podcast. Totally, yeah. So um, thank you, listener Mrs. Ham, um, for that because um, super cool of you because I'm, I'm so excited to watch it. That- but isn't that like the cool, like people listen and... Not just like play it background chatter in the background, but they're listening to our words. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Isn't it? A little bit. I kind of love it. It kind of makes me anxious. No, I love it I'm so much. I'm getting a little twitchy now. I I can't wait till things start opening up even more and we can do a live show in, in our area. Yeah, that'll be spectacular. <laughs> um, speaking of true crime documentaries, I saw two new ones. Wait, did you have more stories to tell me before? So I finished Hotel Cecil. Is that what it's called? Mm, no. I feel like that's what everybody's called. It's it's called a like crime scene. Whatever. Everybody knows what it is. Every Yeah. I think everyone's been calling it just Hotel, Hotel Cecil because it's that story. But yeah, I finished it. What'd you think? Is it weird that I felt bad for that goth guy? I was wondering why he was even there. I felt like that they were just trying to to add on episode time. Like I felt like he wasn't. A big enough part of the story to have him there and interviewed. They sure gave him a lot of airtime, though. Yeah, they did. So in that regard, I don't feel bad for him because he got a ton of publicity. (laughs) But he's not making music anymore. Well, that's a bummer. And the one, and this is going to sound very heartless and very whatever, but the one guy that really creeped me out was the dentist. Why don't I, I remember? Did I, I sleep through that part? I think he's a dentist. He was in a couple episodes. He's very soft-spoken. 
And he was the one that had his friend, like, go and visit her grave and, like, put their hand on her grave for him. I do him. not remember this at all. Oh I must have fallen gosh. asleep through that. He was so, like, infatuated with oh, her story that it was like almost that. too much for me. Like, I love that people were, you know, putting flowers out and sending messages and writing stuff on her blog. Like, that's very respectful. But his just went... 25 steps too yeah. far. Well, I'll have to go back because I must have fallen asleep. Maybe that's one of the nights that I had a little too much NyQuil. Oh, maybe. What did you think of it? What did you think of the ending? I, I thought it was really interesting. I The goth guy did throw me. I thought like, okay, I, I get like he needs to be brought up maybe, but I didn't feel like he needed to be interviewed. I didn't feel like that was really an important aspect of the story. Um, do you have a theory of what happened I think they were right on. I really do. Yeah. I think that she unfortunately stopped taking her medication. Oh. I think that she was having um, either personality disorder, whatever she was diagnosed with, schizophrenia, and just thought that someone possibly was chasing her, trying to harm her, because mm-hmm. her sister even said that she would like go and hide under her desk and stuff at home to hide from people. Yeah. So she just started, you know, climbing fire escapes and just kept climbing when she saw, you know, a ladder on on a water tower and went in to go hide. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, I that's my guess. Is yeah. That, I, not that that's any better than someone murdering no. her. No. Neither case is the best. Right. But that's what I think happened. Yeah, I, I have a similar theory actually almost the same I think yeah she either went off her medication or my other kind of theory which I don't know if they could have determined this because of the lack of toxicology reports but I almost wonder if being on this trip kind of a coming of age sort of thing you like realize you're an adult you're all alone you get anxious you get upset maybe she took too much medication oh okay that's that was kind of the the way I was leaning like if if she was just in a really dark place and it seemed like based on her tumblr she was struggling yeah she was having a hard time I wonder if she just like thought okay maybe I'll just take a little bit more so just to calm it down but either one of those things it's like yeah she wasn't in her right mind and Mm -hmm. I think that it was just like a terrible tragic accident so I saw recently on TikTok that there are two other true crime documentaries that are going to come out pretty soon. And I don't know if I want to watch either one of them. Oh, what are they? Okay, so first one being Kathy, Casey Anthony. Oh, I'll watch it. No, I will. but do you know that she's an executive producer on the documentary itself? No, nope, won't watch it. <laughs> See? I would love to watch a documentary about her story. If she is profiting in any way, I'm not supporting it. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's really, really weird. And I, I'm I'm sure I'm going to go and read all about it, but I don't know if I would watch it just because, like you said, I don't want to give her any money Mm-mm. at all. None. And you know she's going to lie about everything yeah. anyway. It's going to be her, her twisted story. Uh-huh. No way. Uh-uh. No way. Yeah. That's disgusting. All right. Next. The other one is about Jody Arias. Oh, okay. Why won't you watch that? Well, I don't know because on the little... 60 second trailer that they had on TikTok mm-hmm. it was kind of defending her 
which I, I mean, mm. it is an interesting perspective, but they go back and look through text messages and emails and kind of illustrate this abusive relationship that she was in and how she was her the abuser victim was manipulating her. Oh, please. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I mean, very I'm very one sided on both of those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about the Jody Arias before on here. Have um, we? About you, it was one of your stories, and it was the end, and we were discussing if we agreed with a punishment fitting a crime. I don't remember what story it was. Oh, I don't remember this at all either. Uh-huh. You must drink a lot around true crime stuff. Just mix it all with NyQuil. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I would be more inclined to watch that. Yeah. But that's a, another horrible story. I mean, not that any of our stories are really that great. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, kind of interesting, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, speaking of stories, we are hosting um, a contest, the Tell Me a Story contest. Yep. On our on the pod VCOM. So if anyone would like to be a part of it, it's going to be held on March 19th via it's called StreamYard, but it's pretty much like Zoom. And it starts at eleven PM EST. So what is that specific standard? So that is nine. Okay. Yeah. Nine 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 our time. Yeah. And well, you can do the math. Whatever your time is. But you can access it through Facebook, right? Right. And But you have to be like reserved spot in it because we only have so many spots that we can fill for this competition. And how do you reserve a spot? Um, message us and we'll get you in. Okay. On Instagram? Insta, Facebook, email, whatever. Okay. And what kind I'll of stories? I'll give out Angela's um, phone number and you can just send her a text message. Um, what kind of story? So it is like any kind of story that is like a spooky, strange, unusual story from your hometown. Okay. So like, you know, we're from Ventura County. So you did the... Bellywhack Goatman. Right. And I did Glen Tavern. No, you did Glen Tavern. I did both of those stories. Wait, what did I do that was local? I don't know. What did you do that was local? I don't know. You can tell us any sort of story that you want to tell us. From your hometown. That's weird. It can be a haunting. It can be a weird, mythical, cryptid. It can be a murder. It can be... Medical oddity. It can, uh, what other things? Anything strange, unusual. unusual. It can be the biggest ball of yarn in the entire United States. If you can tell a really good story about the biggest ball of yarn and it's from your hometown, you might just win a super cool prize sent from us to you. So if you want to be a part of it, we would love to have you. We do only have space for a few more people because I think there's already a few signed up. Um, but shoot us a message and the sooner we get uh, you in the sooner your spot will be reserved anything else you'd like to add nope that's it should we get going with a story let's do it all right so you're enjoying a little drink right now yeah and it's not bad it's um it's just rum chata limon mm-hmm. um i was actually going to do a totally different drink that was a shot but i thought it was a little insensitive even for me. What was it? 
Can you tell me what it was? And then I'll find out later in your story why it was insensitive. It's called a mind eraser. Oh, I did a mind eraser. For our very first episode, I did a mind eraser. What was our, oh, hypnosis. Yeah. That's more funny than it would be for my story. Well, okay. I'm kind of glad you didn't because mind erasers are pretty gross. They're really not good. Uh, no. Amaretto. And like. Vodka. Coffee. It's, yeah, they're very strange concoctions. Yeah, not great. So, so we're going to so. drink this because it's kind of like whitish, kind of the color of brain. All right, here are my sources for tonight's story. ncbi.mln.nih.gov, the Smithsonian Mag, um, Smithsonian Mag again, a different one, verywellmind.com, Britannica, the British Medical Journal, and a video on Vimeo. That was hard to say. A video on Vimeo. You're not going to tell us what video? Phineas Gage. It was just called Gage. Okay. So my story is the story of a man named Phineas Gage. The year is 1848. And he... Wait, stop. What? You didn't tell us where your story is or what your topic is. Oh, my topic is medical oddities. Okay. And my location is Massachusetts. All right. So, in 1948, Phineas Gage was a 25-year-old foreman of a crew of railroad workers. Something went through his brain. They were getting the area cleaned and, like, prepped up, ready to lay the railroad tracks for the Hudson River Railway. And he was, you know, 25 years old at the time. He was working for, um, it's called Rootland and Burlington Railroad Company. And he's actually in charge of, you know, a pretty decent-sized crew of workers that are just lifting these heavy rocks and boulders and just kind of getting the area, you know. I bet they're super hot. And ripped and sweaty. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. So they have to break down these big boulders, rocks, you know, sometimes blast through mountains to get the railroads ready to go down. And they have to, like, drill a hole in a rock. And then they pour, like, this gunpowdery explosive stuff into that hole. Called gunpowder? Gunpowder explosive <laughs> stuff. And then they add a fuse. And then they fill the rest with sand. And the sand actually acts like a buffer to prevent um, contact, I guess, from, like, the tampering rod that, like, that... ignites it okay are you understanding kind of yeah so like a cannon i guess yeah because i know how those work well but you can picture like the guys when they're doing the cannon they have that big giant q-tip looking thing that's just shoving in the end of a cannon Sure. okay so hitting the sand prevents the thing from exploding when they hit it it prevents yeah it's like a it's a they call it like a buffer okay so the tampering rod was used to pack everything super tight in the hole because you want it <laughs> compacted. Uh-huh. This is not a porno. Um, his employers said that he was always very efficient. He paid close attention to details. He was just like one of those workers that you want with you all the time. Like you until? Would, until September 13th, 1984. Uh-oh. Nope. 1848. Uh-oh. He tamped down on the powder 
without the addition of the sand. So what he's doing, he hears some like ruckus behind him, probably some guys screwing around and he's, you know, the, the good worker. So he turns his head to say something to these guys, knock it off. He goes to push the tamper down and it explodes while he's like mid-sentence. The powder detonated and sent his 43-inch long, oh no, 1.25-inch in diameter, 13.25-pound rod shooting upwards towards Phineas's head. Oh, no. The rod pierced through his cheek, went up through his jaw, into his, like, soft palate, and Ugh. penetrated Ugh. his bane, v- brain. And then it exited out of his skull and landed 80 feet away, smeared with blood and brain. Wait, so it went all the way through, like, clean in one side and out the other and kept going correct and flew 80 more feet holy shit so the force of this tampering rod shooting through his skull through phineas's obviously his body totally backwards but despite his injuries phineas remained conscious his co-workers tried to help him like into an ox cart to be taken to a doctor that was like i don't know three or four miles away But he refused, and he just walked into the ox cart himself. The ox cart finally got to the doctor, and... Wait, he's still standing? He's not only still standing, he is in the ox cart. He's sitting down, and he starts writing in his workbook, probably like logging his hours or where he left off for the day or something. What about the amount of blood that I imagine is pouring from his head right now? He's totally still conscious. What the hell? So when they met the physician, and the physician that they first met was Dr. Edward H. Williams, he stated, quote, I first noticed the wound upon the head before I alightened, alighted from my carriage, the pulsations of the brain being oh, very distinct. He can see it? Pulsating. <gasps> Mr. Gage, during the time I was examining this wound, was retelling the manner in which he was injured to the bystanders. I did not believe Mr. Gage's statement at that time. He didn't believe him. He has a giant hole through his head. <laughs> but he's, what did he think happened? He's thinking that, like, there's no way this could have happened the way he... Because he's, like, Phineas is still super calm and just saying, like, this is what happened. I was, oh. you know, going to talk to these people. I hit the rod. There wasn't sand. So Mr. Gage persisted in saying that the bar went through his head. Mr. G got up and vomited (laughs) he's like i'm kind of feeling a little queasy um stop taking your notes for a second give me a second while i vomit oh that's what i would do the effort of vomiting pressed out about half a teacup full of the brain which (gasps) fell upon the floor oh no wait Mm -hmm. wait because you know when you wait Phineas vomited. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it was the doctor. Oh, no. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> well, because if you're watching someone's brain pulsate, you, you might would... vomit. No, this is Phineas. <gasps> he puked some of his brain out of his skull. Yeah, because you know when you're throwing up, it's so much pressure. Yeah, I, I pop blood vessels in my eyeballs. Uh-huh, you see stars sometimes. <sighs> yeah. So this doctor... I don't really know if this is true, but this is what I envision. He's like, all right, I'm out. Someone else, tap, you're tapped in because I'm, I'm done with this case. So this other doctor, Dr. Harlow, arrived. 
And Phineas recognized him. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I know you, Dr. Harlow. So he's still with it enough to go, like, hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just going to pick up a teaspoon of my brain on the ground. Kind of shove it back in. Ugh. And he was able to talk with him as well. So he's still conscious, still with it. Dr. Harlow would be the doctor caring for Phineas and monitoring his progress from here on out. So Dr. Harlow took detailed notes like every day, every hour practically on Phineas's progress. He made sure to document even the smallest changes in great detail. Later that evening, some of Phineas's coworkers kind of come by to check on how he's doing. And Phineas is like, oh, send them home. They don't need to come see me. And he actually called them by name like, you know, oh, Angela came to see me. He's like, oh, Angela, go home. I don't, I don't, you don't need to hang out here. I'll, I'll be back to work in just a few days. So Phineas's wound continued to bleed for two days. Do, wait, don't they cauterize? Can't they stop the bleeding? Well, they're trying to. They're like shoving it full of like rags and stuff <laughs> is that what they do in the 1800s probably Just shove it full of rags i must say i mean they don't have like what hydrogen peroxide sure they do maybe i don't think so so they have t- gunpowder right just well and do they did use some of that like silver nitrate silver nitrate i don't know what you're talking about some silver stuff anyways but so the wound bled for two days but then it got infected oh and the infection became so bad that Phineas, like, would fall in and out of consciousness because it's just festering, pussing, like, super gross. How is his brain not just swelling and killing him? Maybe because it keeps falling out on the floor, oh, parts of it. It just relieves. The, that's a good point. There is a hole that will relieve the pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because okay. they say, like, sometimes they do. They actually drill holes in heads yeah, to release. Yeah, I saw that in Grey's Anatomy. I think it was Grey's Anatomy. Or oh, I think it's on House. Yeah. Was it House That's when they were I've in the, the tunnel and some guy has a swollen brain for some reason? There's some sort of accident and they have to talk them through taking a Pressure? cordless drill and just putting a hole right through his skull. Well, that's like a documentary, right? It's totally true life. Pretty much. Yeah. That's where I get all of my medical knowledge. From Dr. House. From House and Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. So Phineas's poor prognosis is so poor that they actually built a coffin for him. And it was pretty much just there with his death clothes. Just waiting for him. Mm -hmm. Just ready to be filled. But with Dr. Harlow's continued treatment of both his head injury and then the burns on his body from the explosion, five weeks later, on October 3rd, the infection was gone, and Phineas regained con- consciousness. Oh, so he went out for a while. He was, yeah, he was okay. out. On October 7th, he took his first steps since being comatose. Phineas could comprehend how much time had passed since his accident and could retell the story of what happened, but he kind of had some trouble estimating things like sizes and then amounts of money. But the doctor's like, okay, you know, you've been you know in a coma for five weeks you're still recovering no big deal okay so back in the 1800s what kind of drugs are they giving you they're giving you like what like lsd some cocaine things like that maybe we need to bring some of that back into our medical fields because it sure seemed like it worked pretty fast and pretty well for phineas so are you making the claim that lsd and cocaine are the cure for covid is that what you just said 
<laughs> so Phineas was blind in his left eye, obviously, and he had slight facial weakness, but no other noticeable focal neurological defects. So like meaning like the rest of his body was fine. So those bits of brain that fell out weren't all that important. Not really yet. So Phineas was blind in his left eye and had slight facial weakness, but okay. no other noticeable focal neurological defects. So a focal neuro- neurological defect is when an injury to a specific part of the body affects another specific region of the body. So he injured his brain and that affected his side of his face. Is that well, what you're telling me? Well, it, no, no, nothing else was affected on his body. So you know how sometimes people get into uh, maybe have like a spinal accident and afterwards their maybe left arm doesn't work as well anymore? It's nerve damage. Right. He didn't have any of any thing wrong with him like that. Okay. He had no speech impairments and other than his physical scarring, there were no other signs that anything had happened to Phineas. Oh, this is weird. But his sudden change in personality was very noticeable. Oh. So in one of the first notes that Dr. Harlow took regarding his change in personality, it said, quote, previous to his injury, although untrained in the schools, he possessed a well-alanced mind and was looked upon. What is a well-alanced mind? He possessed a good, smart brain. (laughs) (laughs) And he was looked upon by those who knew him as a shrewd, smart businessman, very energetic and persistent in executing all his plans of operation. In this regard, his mind was radically changed, so decidedly that his friends and acquaintances said he was, quote, no longer Gage. Oh, that's creepy. Because of his actions, like, so his change in personality he was unable to return to work on the railroad because people are like, uh, I, we can't have you here. Well, you're I you're too unpredictable. Also, maybe exploding a railroad spike into your brain or whatever it was. A tampering rod. A tampering rod into your brain would also maybe exclude you from ever working in that field again. But he wanted to. He tried to go back and he just couldn't. Well, even pilots that crash planes might want to go back to being pilots but you know they might just have to hang up their captain's cap he had a tampering rod (laughs) hang up the tampering rod (laughs) so he returns to his parents home in new hampshire to just kind of continue healing and he was helping around the house with yard work and i mean physical labor there and then he started getting a few other different jobs and he started traveling a lot and he didn't really seem to be able to hold a job for too long because of that kind of changed personality. People described him as aggressive, angry, unreliable, disrespectful, obstinate. He was inappropriate and often acted, quote, drunk. He cussed a lot and made sexual comments and motions towards women. So he, like, would grab women and... Lovely. Say, you know, very... Not very nice things. So I was going to ask what changed about his personality, but basically he just turned into a total asshole. Right. Oh, okay. Pretty much. His story's taking a turn. So he spent some time traveling through New England and Europe with his tampering iron. We took it with him? Oh, yeah. 
Well, I didn't even say. At the very beginning, he actually had this, like, it was custom made for him, the tampering iron. The one that he exploded through his brain. Right. That fell 80 feet away, splattered and with blood and brain. It. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was made specifically for his body. Like, I guess his height or I don't know. But it was like a, a custom made tampering rod. Oh, wow. And he um, even appeared in the Barnum uh, um, American Museum in New York as a curiosity. And somewhere along the line, I couldn't really figure out where, but he got his rod like engraved and it said, quote, this is the bar that was shot through the head of Mr. Phineas P. Gage. And the funny thing about that is they spelled Phineas wrong on his engraving on his rod. Oh, wow. I, would, I bet that pissed him off. I would totally ask for my money back. Wait, was he married or anything? No. Okay. Mm-mm. So then he started working like in a stable for a while. And then for eight years, actually, he drove a stagecoach in Chile. Uh, I wouldn't tr- trust that. <laughs> and then he ended up farming for a while in California when he moved in with his mom and sister who were living in San Francisco. Um because they, they were in, you know, New Hampshire, but they moved to San Francisco. Um, his health started to decline, and he started having seizures, and he died on May 21st, 1860, almost 12 years after the day the tampering rod shot through his head. So he was still pretty young. He was only 37. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't really know what life expectancy was. I would think it's a little older than that. I would think so, too. Right. But but then again. He had the seizures. It sounds like the seizures are what kind of killed him. Yeah. And then you also have to consider the life expectancy of somebody who had a a metal rod slammed through their head, too. Uh Which is usually not very long. No. He lived a lot longer than most people would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was buried at the Lone Mountain Cemetery in San Francisco with his tampering rod. It's so freaking weird so i have a couple little ripples okay so this is the first one seven years after phineas's death his body was exhumed and he was actually like i said bearing with the tampering rod his skull was closely examined and it was discovered that the tampering rod had completely gone through his skull and just like obliterated the greater part of the left left frontal lobe of his brain and so what, how they did that, they kind of, like, traced, like, the um, the line of trajectory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as medical sciences is getting more and more advanced, um, they were able to find out more about that part of the brain. So that was just seven years later. So along with the close observations and detailed notes that Dr. Harlow took, along with the skull line of trajectory, um, neurologists were able to study, learn, and theorize more about the localization of brain function to the idea that certain functions are associated with specific areas of the brain. So they didn't know any of this before. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, you've got to fact, you know, factor in this is a really long time ago, 1800s. Well, they didn't yeah, know. Yeah, and we still don't really know exactly how everything works in our brains. Well, we apparently only use, what, like 18% of our brain? Actually, I think that's a myth. Oh, is it really? Well, according to TikTok, yeah. Oh, because everything on TikTok is true. Hey, I believe it. I don't know. Well, that would be something to look up. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so yeah, obviously they didn't know 
anything. So this theory, however, was not accepted very well because it's, you know, the Dr. Harlow's kind of, he's the one that had been doing all of this research. He's the one that said, oh, you know, brain function and localization of your body work together. So it wasn't until 1878 when David Ferrier was speaking at the, and I'm going to totally slaughter this word, but Goulastonian lectures. And I actually read like ex, like pages and pages from the British Medical Journal. Like someone had Did you read it in it. an accent the entire time? Some of it, yeah. Some of the words for sure. And I'm not going to do it here, but I want you to say it in your head when I read it to you. Okay. But this is what um, David Ferrier said. Quote, there are certain regions in the cortex to which definite fu- functions can <laughs> function. Wait, stop. Uh-huh. There are certain regions in the cortex to which definite functions can be assigned and that the phenomena of cortical lesions will vary according to their seat. So meaning like according to like places in the brain okay and also according to their character meaning like a person's character sure so part of your brain relates to your character your personality makes sense i would think so so he did studies on monkeys this david guy who wasn't a doctor i thought was very strange i looked like okay what is his profession or whatever he's just like a researcher so he did study. Well, he probably has like a PhD, yeah? I don't know. 1878. Maybe you could just get your hands on a bunch of monkeys. Oh, yeah. We did learn in one episode to be a dentist. All you needed was like a pair of pliers and a weekend course. There you go. So he did studies on monkeys and actually removed or like damaged their prefrontal lobes. Oh, no. Poor monkeys. I know. He learned from these studies that the monkeys didn't have any physiological issues after the procedure, but their character would change drastically. But how well did he know these monkeys to know their character? Well, and he says that. He noted that, quote, while not actually deprived of intelligence, they had lost, to all appearance, the faculty of the attentive and intelligence observation. So he's saying, he's assuming that, like, from what he... You know, observed Observes. watching them before and after. There were changes, but obviously he didn't. Their he, friends think he's a dick after that. Yeah, their brains are all scrambled, scrambled up. So both David Ferrier and Dr. Harlow's studies both showed the damage done to the prefrontal cortex of the frontal lobes of a brain can bring on drastic changes in personality behaviors but not necessarily affect other functions of a body. So if you don't know this person that's walking around, you wouldn't, you know, physically see that anything was wrong with them. But because of their actions, so if someone knew them beforehand and then after, they would know a difference because of the way they acted. Yeah. Since Phineas's accident, research into the frontal cortex has come a long way. Obviously, we now know that the main function for the prefrontal cortex is a controller of behavior. It also controls our short-term memory, inhibitions, purpose, purposeful, purposeful, thank you, movement, and or like how we pay attention to details. Um, it also like our emotional processing and rational decision making. So it's kind of an important area. This case was later named the American Crowbar Case 
um, which is kind of ironic because it wasn't a crowbar. Why did they call it a crowbar? I maybe because crowbar case sounds better than oh the alliteration. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then studies of this accident have been ongoing. So. In 1994, 2004, and then most recently that I could find was 2012, they generated like a 3D computer reconstruction of the accident. So, you know, like CGI-ish of Phineas tapping and the rod going through. I'd like to see a video of that. And it determined like the exact placement of the rod and how it went through. And based on that experiment, they concluded that the rod had destroyed 11% of the white matter in the frontal lobe and 4% of the cerebral cortex. So Phineas's story served as one of the first sources of evidence that the frontal lobe was connected to a person's personality. Um, The University of Melbourne's Malcolm McMillan, talk about alliteration, University of Melbourne, His name is Malcolm McMillan. He wrote the book, An Odd Kind of Fame, Stories of Phineas Gage. And that he said that over two-thirds of psychology textbooks, like today, include Phineas's story. Oh, weird. So, I mean, even like, you know, because it's like the first case of it. So if you're a psychology major, you've probably heard of this case. So today, Phineas's skull, a mask of his face that was made while he was still alive, and the tampering rod are on permanent display at Harvard Medical School's Warren Anatomical Museum in Cambridge, Massachusetts. See, I finally got to Massachusetts. That's kind of sad. But it's on display, his skull and his rod. Because where is the rest of him? Probably buried in San Francisco still. Maybe he wanted his rod to be there. I guess it's with his skull, right? But he wanted to be buried with that rod. They gave him seven years together. I guess so. All right, here's my other little ripple. Because you know when you like throw in a stone, it makes like multiple ripples. Sure. Here's the next ripple. Rocks. So over thirty years ago, Jack and Beverly Wilgus, they liked to go hunting for vintage photographs together and they found a 19th century picture of this handsome man that had some disfigurement on his face there was no info or date on the picture but he was holding a tampering rod and at the time they didn't know what that was they didn't know that this tappered rod was like a thing they actually thought it was a harpoon and that maybe he was a whaler and had been, his face had been injured in like a whaling accident. So they referred to this man in this photograph as the battered whaler. So Beverly, she liked to upload a lot of the pictures that they collected um, to Flickr. And she titled that one, quote, one-eyed man with harpoon. But then a couple people like commented on the picture and they're like, oh, that's not a harpoon. And that could actually be Phineas Gage. And this guy named Michael Spurlock, who knew Phineas's story, um, also knew that if this was Phineas, this was the only known image of Phineas Gage. Oh, Because wow. they, you know, it's Where not a time when it? everyone has um, cameras. I don't, it didn't say. Oh. 
So um, Beverly starts doing some research of her own, and she emails a picture to the Warren Museum where his stuff is on display. And um, the museums are like, oh, yeah, that totally might be him. And um, so they're kind of examining the picture, and one of their examiners kind of zoom in and on the rod, they can, they see, can see some of the inscription. Name. Well, they don't see it all. They see through the head of Mr. Like PHI. And then I'm guessing it kind of like wrapped around or maybe his hand was covering it. But say they can see that much of it through the head of Mr. F. Whoa. So the couple goes to the museum and they like kind of check it out. And they totally believe like this is. Well, yeah, stage. I mean, who else would be holding a rod that says through the head? Right, and his eye, you know, left eye is pretty much disfigured. Um, Harvard, unfortunately, won't confirm that it's Phineas. You know what? <laughs> I've had a couple episodes now where Harvard is just not playing well. Like, they're just... They they wouldn't release the twin case files. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're kind of arrogant assholes. Should have gone to Yale. Should have gone to Yale. Freaking Harvard. Anyways, that's why I have um, a white brain eraser drink for you. Yeah, I still have a little bit left. I do too. It's wow. kind of yummy. Mm. So that story actually reminds me of, remember the case of the wrestler who had like multiple brain injuries mm-hmm. and concussions and kind of changed his personality right and then ended up like murdering his entire family or right. something mm-hmm. and they say that is the same thing with like a lot of football players you know because of n- not that they go and murder their families but they get brain trauma from, yeah that's the you know your frontal lobe is an important part of your brain good to know wow so that's, that's my story. wild that's, that's my a good one medical oddity medical oddities are sometimes hard to find but that was a really good one it was kind of a stretch being from Massachusetts, but I've had a few of those. Close enough. Yeah, I like it. Do you have a last thought and a shot for us? Uh, let me pull it up. Okay. Okay. Uh, now go. All right. Here is my last thought and a shot. Since you're covering Massachusetts and you're talking about medical oddities, here is another really strange kind of medical-y sort of thing that happened in Massachusetts. And actually, this one was back in the 1800s too, so all kinds of weird shit happened in there. All right. Okay. So, in 1837, a convicted bank robber and highwayman was executed in Boston. The criminal, James Allen, requested that his legacy be preserved in a very unusual way. Okay. Do you want to guess? This is when people still, like, honored last wishes, which I don't think we should do. Like, you don't just get to, like, make crazy demands, especially when you're being executed. They put him on display. Okay. Sitting at the bar. Okay. With a whiskey in his hand. I mean, you're actually not too far off. Okay. What is it? So, by turning his flesh into... The binding of a book. Oh. Not a bar stool? No. Kind of gross, though. Uh-huh. His final wish was honored, and Alan's autobiography was bound in his own skin. Again, <laughs> why are we giving him, like, a published autobiography? And who is the leather tanner that gets that job? I don't know. I bet there was some creep who was like, yeah, let me on that. What did he do to... He, oh, he was a highwayman? Yeah. 
So the crook also asked for some to be given to one John Fenno Jr., the man who had accused Alan of the crime he was executed for. And today, the book is found at the Boston Library. You can go see a human skin bound book. Yeah. How creepy is that? Weird. It is weird. Um, I wonder if the reason, like, like the guy that got executed, I wonder if he was giving the skin to that guy that accused him of the crime as like a, like a, fuck you, I didn't do this. Now you have my piece of my skin on your hands. I feel like it probably ties into some like weird old timey metaphor that talks about like taking skin, the skin off my back, the, that's the shirt off my back. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like how much would that suck too? Like I, I put this guy away because he like robbed me and now I, people are sending me parts of his dead body. Yeah, that's and why would he make that request? I don't know. I don't have the answers to that story. That's that's all I have. Just that one little paragraph. Wow, that's weird. It is weird. Some might say strange and unusual. If you will. All right. Pick your strange and unusual topic and location for next week. Okay. I think we only have a few topics left since we're cycling through all of them before we do repeats. Right. Mm-hmm. So I am C2 in here. So it is true crime. Okay. We haven't done true crime no, for a while. No, we haven't. What's the other one that we have left? Do you remember? Pull it out. We only have one theme left. So next week, I, I'm going to be doing paranormal. Or the following week, I'll be doing paranormal. I think so. Okay. If we calculated, right? We're not good at calculating things. No. Okay. All right. And your location. And my location is Colorado. Oh, cool. Or Colorado. Colorado. Is there another way to say Colorado? Colorado? No, it's a O. Colorado. 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 No one says Colorado, do they? No. Okay, Colorado. I had too much brain juice. <laughs> uh, Colorado and true crime. That should be easy. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. There, you'll have plenty to choose from. Yes. We need to get our big map in here and start crossing off our locations. I've, I need to catch up our Instagram feed um, on Oh, our yeah, map. you were doing that for a while. I was. I'll do that again. Um, oh, you also put up on our Instagram a bunch of... Guess the what was that about? Oh, the Mandela effect stuff. Was that like a topic you were gonna cover and then you changed your mind? No, I was gonna just talk about like the brain, how it sees things and forgets things, and obviously I forgot to talk all about that. Well, um, yeah. So on our stories, which you can't access anymore because they expired, um, but we had quite a few people guessing on which one they thought was correct and which one they thought was Mandela effect. Are you going to go back and tell us which one was real? Yeah, I'll go and post in an actual like Instagram post, which is the correct, and then people can check their answers. Okay. But yeah, thanks for reminding me because I totally forgot. Yeah, I was going to talk about the brain and the Mandela effect. Maybe one of these days we'll do a Mandela effect. It is pretty fun to talk about. And this one was mainly like a lot of logos and stuff because it was strictly like visual things but there's so many things out there that people like remember hearing or Or happening right that you can't really take a picture of yeah that's super cool super crazy yeah 
it's weird brain is a very strange thing yeah we are all just a body of squishy mushy tissues and chemical reactions that are dictating all of our movements and paths in life and nothing is real i don't like what you're saying right now (laughs) it's stressing me out All right. Well, until next week. Um, oh, follow us on Instagram at RipplePod, on Facebook at The Ripple Podcast, or email us, TheRipplePodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review. We would love it. Tell some friends about us. We would like some more listeners or just a listener or two. That'd, That'd be, be cool. nice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. Don't forget to be a fountain. Not a drain. Bye. Bye.